And you are tuned in to 94.1 KPFA 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. The ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is July the 5th. 2016, yesterday, we celebrated a festival of freedom, our independence from the British Empire. It was an empire back in the 18th century when we split, as you may have heard by now, England, uh, not the UK, well, that's the England, not Ireland or Scotland, but England has just declared uh, its new independence from the EU, that is the uh, European Union. Perhaps, <laughs> if we think about it carefully, maybe we were both wrong. Now, how do you think we would be doing? Uh, how would things be going along if we here in uh, the colonies, if we had remained a monarchy. Well, or anyway, part of the Commonwealth, maybe that would have been a, a more enlightened, uh, let's see, enlightened way, Canada. And well, from my perspective, uh, I think that present-day England is just about as democratic as we are well now. I'm sure I shouldn't say that. I'm sure that's not proper. Uh, I mean, actually, I like their parliament. It governs the country, right, with the prime ministers in charge. You know, it's perfectly simple. You have the head of the political party, uh, you know, the one that's in power. Now, their, their uh, party chairman, right, is the prime minister. Makes perfect sense to me. You know, when the majority party... Um, loses power, uh, then it's the other party, and they have their men at the top. Uh, you know, uh, things are so simple. Their agenda, it seems to me, uh, you know, they just call an election when things get tiresome, you know. Uh, for some reason or another, we have this plan, you know, that makes it, oh, this awful thing of crippling our president, you know, until November. Uh, they should just make up their minds and then have the election and we go on to the next thing. Uh, anyway, 
Majority party, yes, majority party takes over. You know what happens when they try to do that? They put a stop to government. You remember that mess with Clinton? Anyway, in Washington, D.C., over the centuries, I believe that our government, men in our government, just kept saying to each other, there must be a harder way to do this, right? Gerrymandering is the latest trick. Uh, representative, represent, represent, uh, I was thinking the other day, I used to ask students to explain what was a representative democracy. And they, they got very cross with me because they really thought that democracy was a, you know, one man, one vote, instead of the, the whole notion that uh, we went in chunks. Uh, and, of course, we have these 50 states. Uh, we've turned government into an industry. It's where you make a lot of money, an industry, right? Uh, get a government job. My favorite story about the uh, heads of state is one when Nancy Reagan went to London to attend the wedding of Diana Spencer to Charles, the Prince of Wales. You remember uh, Diana Spencer, the beautiful people's princess. Uh, anyway, she was having this terrific wedding, and it was a world event. And Nancy Reagan was deeply offended to learn that she, the First Lady of the United States, would not be invited to the wedding breakfast with the queen, you know, with the royals, but she would be the guest of Margaret Thatcher, the prime minister, the head of government, as she is, of course, related, or was related to the head of government, Ronald Reagan. Got it? Aha, uh -huh, yes, their prime minister is analogous to our president. The queen, on the other hand, is a head of state. That's what she is in the UK. She has no power to speak of. Uh, I mean, she can't even vote. I do believe, according to the rumors, that she was mortified by this latest nonsense. Uh, <laughs> yes. So she calls on uh, the prime minister to form a government. That's what she does. Terrific movie called uh, The Queen with Helen Mirren. Actually, Queen Elizabeth herself, Elizabeth II, said that the movie was okay. Uh, she didn't take offense. But it it is a good movie in the sense that it explains to people what has become of this monarchy, these royals. Uh, you know, uh, they're a tourist attraction anyway. Um, the thing is, you see, Parliament is responsible for maintaining this institution. Uh, they vote the money, um, you know, to maintain the institution of monarchy. Uh, I think that they have begun, yes, I know, they've begun to tax the royals, which makes them kind of like citizens. <laughs> some, some people think that this tradition of monarchy is really an anachronism that, uh, it's just old hat. Now, others think that it is worth preserving. I think they preserve it because it's theater. We all know that politics is theater. They're just straightforward about it. 
uh, England's stages, its theaters, wow. Since the Elizabethan age back in the day, right, that, uh, that theatrical instinct, it's actually part of their religious spectacles too. I think it's been an inspiration all around the globe, Shakespeare's plays. They're going to undoubtedly survive the British Empire. They'll go on forever. <coughs> now, this season, the best offering for those of us who watch cable TV, you know, that's the only way we can get the BBC plays, and I can't get to Broadway. There is a Broadway play about the royals at the moment. I'm going to try to review that soon. Uh, anyway, all the good stuff on the HBO, the golden age of television. Uh, I think of the of the entries this year, the most interesting one for me is called Outlander. It's all about the struggle of Scotland to get England off their lands. Now that, I think, is not exactly ironic. We overuse the word irony, but it's, it's amusing. Uh, now that Scotland and Ireland are having second thoughts about uh, leaving the EU. Uh, anyway, Scotland and Ireland are always a terrible problem. I remember all the plays. They always send uh, troublemakers off to Ireland thinking that they'll get caught in a bog down, bogged down. That's where the word came from. They'll fall in a bog and not come home. The Highlanders were notorious uh, rascals, too. Uh, but back in the day, in the 18th century, colonialism was the issue. And, uh, well, the thing is, you see, our colonies, I mean us, the United States that was to be, uh, that was kind of too far away for the king to pay much attention to. He um, he really, really made a big mistake. Uh, it was George III, the mad king, and he just let these colonies, the whole new world, he just let it go. Uh, I think, you know, England lost the new world. They lost their future. I guess Canada's okay, but anyway, George the Third, Dorothy Parker has a few lines about George the Third <clears throat> in her little book of limericks. She writes, "George the Third ought never to have occurred. One can only wonder at so grotesque a blunder." You may have seen a movie called The Mad uh, King. It actually has Helen Mirren as the queen in that uh, in that film, too. It's wonderful because, of course, it's an entirely different kind of role. I believe George III's wife had, I think it was 15 children. Anyway, more than you could count. Uh, anyway, the show that I like best is called Outlander. It's an historical romance, absolutely lush, opulent. Uh, it's about Scotland in the 18th century. They use the word outlander to define the English, you know, like uh, like a foreigner, alien, whatever. Uh, they have a word in Scotch that I'm going to mispronounce. Uh, Sashanak, Sashanak. Uh, 
That's what the man who loves her calls her. Anyway, she's an outlander. And uh, therefore, uh, she is, what is it, in a position <laughs> to be kind of a weirdo. Uh, she uh, turns up, she appears in the midst of all these uh, Scotchmen uh, and her adventures, you see, they're wild and crazy because she is a time traveler. She uh, traveled from London in 1945, and she turns up here in Scotland, in the Highlands, in uh, the middle of a battle. The thing was that this nice woman, Claire Bouchon, Claire Yes, she got too close to some sacred standing stones. Now, you've heard about the sacred standing stones. Uh, there are some scenes in the film in 1945 when the local women are up dancing near the stones. And let's see, one night there was a circle of women and they were casting spells. And, oh dear, she made a wish. Now, these Wicca, or wise women, they were worshippers of the pagan gods. Uh, long story, you know those stories. Uh, anyway, there are so many episodes now, I, I certainly don't want to spoil it in case you want to go watch the whole thing. Uh, anyway, I think 21, 2, 3, 21, uh, that's a lot of hours. The last... Um, episode, a 90-minute episode, the uh, finale of season two. There's a season three actually coming up, but that's a long way away. Okay, this Saturday night, uh, you can catch it. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, good Lord. It is HBO. I'm sure it's HBO. If it's not HBO, it's Showtime. No, Jennifer, it's HBO. Anyway, <clears throat> next Saturday night, folks, the 90-minute finale. And then uh, uh, you can figure out whether or not there's going to be more time travel. There's another woman who's almost burned for a witch along with Claire, and she's from a different time, too. No, 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 I must not tell you the story. This woman, though, this outlander, in the first episode, she's a World War II nurse. And so, when she gets to the 18th century, she's considered to be extremely magical <laughs> in Paris. She uses her skills for political purposes. Uh, nope, nope, there I'd go giving away the plot again. All of my, well, many of my favorite British character actors are in this epic tale. Uh, I'd watch it just for the costumes. The Highlanders are terrific. The the men, actually, I don't usually care for uh, men in battle, but in this show, they're, they're kind of fun. Uh, Simon Callow, I think most people will recognize. Uh, he plays the wicked Earl of Sandringham. Ah, he's going to get his. Anyway, Claire Beecham, this outlander, she has to get her husband, Jamie, out of the Bastille at one point. Uh, he's got to win a battle that history tells her will be lost. <laughs> anyway, I love this show because it's pure fiction, idle fantasy. Uh, it's all about 
a woman who has extraordinary powers in a land where she knows everything that's going to happen. Now, that's my favorite feminist fantasy, empowerment. That's the word everybody uses these days. Uh, got to give women confidence. Got to empower them. <laughs> give them. Give them the presidency and then see what happens. Oh, Lord. Oh, dear. That's going to be a that's going to be a trip. Anyway, you know the deal. You give some women power, independence, their independence day comes. They have choice. The whole world benefits starting with the children. I believe it. I just don't think it's going to happen, so I won't get called on this one. Uh, choice for women. Just imagine if all the female human beings on this planet could decide, could choose whether or not they would bear children and when they would do so. Imagine. Some people think that we have that right, but I think if you will look at the, the, uh, look at the whole package, you will find that it is not true. Uh, <clears throat> I have a footnote here, another film called Suffragette. I think I tucked it in here because I wanted to tell you it's about England in the 19th century. And it's about reality, not a fantasy. It's about the Pankhursts. That's a woman, uh, Emmeline Pankhurst, very famous uh, suffragist. She, she was a rich lady. Her daughter Sylvia identified with the working women. Her daughter Christabel went off to Europe and uh, sent messages about the movement. But the movie Suffragette, it has all the, oh, well, let's see. Uh, who's the Meryl Streep, of course, plays Emmeline Pankhurst for a moment. Uh, anyway, what we learn in this film is that it isn't until 1925 that English women get any legal rights to keep their children. In the 19th century, women were legally children. Uh, in Suffragette, you see the way it goes. These women... Especially the working women, they have the most to lose. And uh, in their case, of course, they very often lose their family, their husband. Uh, you know, if they don't do the woman's work well, you know. Anyway, suffragette is on my list. And uh, I think this whole business of changing the lives of children, maybe that's where feminism has to go. I think it would be one of the ways we could get rid of this unhappy, unhappy problem. Uh, every young woman I talk to today gets a funny look. She winces when I say feminist. They, they just don't get it. I mean, they get it. You know, if you ask them specifics about equal pace, they all do. But they do not want to be called feminists. And that's because... Men are brilliant at public relations. They don't want slaves. They want willing slaves. They want women to serve with love and to like what's going on. Which brings me to the roughest film I saw this week. Uh, it's called Joy. It's on Max, that I know for sure. Uh, Max is one of the premium channels. And Joy is a 15-minute film. I, I can't recommend it because 
it hurts so much, and I'm not sure children should, well, who knows. Joy is a film that deals with a little girl born to Nigerian parents here in the United States. She's a citizen because she's born here. She's 10 years old, right? Her father decides that it's time for her to become a woman, to be, that is, mutilated. Uh, the uh, circumcision of women, uh, it usually, well, it, at worst it involves a clitorectomy. That is to say, they are castrated. They no longer have any sexual feeling. Uh, FGM, or female genital mutilation, is, uh, I think, probably the worst form of torture in the world. Uh, I don't know, what is that? I don't know why. Every time I bring it up, people say to me, nobody wants to hear about that. And I said, I know that, but there are 100, 100 million women who have been tortured and who have been disabled by this practice. And every time somebody tries to stop it, let's see, the president of Burkini Faso, he became president and he outlawed the procedure and they promptly assassinated him. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, in this 15-minute film, we see the mother's experience back in Nigeria, the one that she wants to save her daughter from. The husband is, um, well, he, he simply won't hear her. He says, you survived it, you know. Uh, you did it, and you didn't die. She says, I might as well have. Anyway, of course, she, you know, I don't want to tell you what happens, but uh, there is at least some hope at the end. Uh, yes, I remember a woman from Nigeria over at San Francisco State, Women for Peace and Freedom. We tried to help her, and actually what helped was getting her a job. Uh, and she had two two little daughters that she was trying to prevent being sent back to Nigeria. They got on the Ted Koppel show, I remember. <laughs> that helped. Little American girls, you know. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> this movie, as I said, is uh, no fun. It's called Joy. It's 15 minutes long. And it's just, just it, I think it's valuable that we get some of this stuff uh, on the air. You know, the woman, well, she, you don't really understand. As she tells her husband, she said, you know how difficult it's been for me. And he simply says, well, you failed to be a good wife or a good woman. Anyway, she threatens him with the police and then, uh, you know, they have a battle. And uh, anyway, uh, check it out. The, the little novel that I always use uh, when discussing this subject is by Alice Walker. It's called Possessing the Secret of Joy. Uh of course, the secret of joy is resistance. In that book, Alice Walker has a young woman. Uh, well, she becomes angry enough to go for revenge. She kills the woman, the midwife, who castrated her. And at the end of the book, she's going to be executed. Um, anyway, yes, possessing the secret of joy... Alice Walker also has a book called Warrior Marks that was written after she had 
traveled a lot and seen many things. Uh, I uh, I brought a poem. Yes, I think. Well, I don't know if I have time to read it. Yes, I'll try. I don't know whether to read you this poem or whether to tell you about. Uh, I think I'll save the poem. It's just, it's too heartbreaking, and it's also kind of complex. Uh, Parts of it have been published, but I don't know. I'd like to get the whole thing published in uh, Ms. or Major Women's Magazine. No, I'll just tell you a little bit about the clitoris. People are fascinated with this subject. I actually noticed that... The two male characters in the TV series Rome, they actually discuss this. Men in ancient Rome, the, the script writers, I, I appreciate they're trying to do this. Uh, one of the men explains to the other how to give the wife pleasure. Anyway, uh, clitoris is from the Greek word, clitoris, K-L-E-I-T-O-R-I-S, meaning divine, famous, or goddess-like. Anyway, the clitoris is personified as an Amazon queen named Clytai, the ancestral mother of the Clytae, the tribe of warrior women who founded a city in Italy. In Corinth, Clytae was a princess, quote, whom Artemis made grow tall and strong in an allegory of her erection. Or again, she was a nymph who loved the phallus of the sun god. She always followed his motion with her head, a transparently sexual metaphor, of course. <laughs> the Arcadian city of Clytor was sacred to Artemis or to uh, Demeter. Demeter stood at the genital shrine of the earth, which was the headwaters of the river Styx, you know, the uh, river of forgetfulness that we cross over when we die. Uh, anyway, the meaning of this geographical myth is made clear by a primitive belief that the Styx, the river Styx, represented Mother Earth's menstrual blood, source and solvent of all things. In this place, too, the orgiastic priestesses of Artemis were soothed out of their frenzies, therefore, <laughs> yes, the, the, the local religious must have signified uh, that the goddess's clitoris, uh, well, it, it was not her navel, it was her clitoris, yes, that they were, they were, they were dealing with or soothing. Stuff is a little complicated, you know, they, they make everything fit, and of course it doesn't, uh, anyway, Later, patriarchal society just managed to ignore the clitoris. Christian church taught that women should not experience sexual pleasure, but should only endure intercourse for the sake of procreation. You remember the joke about the English, Victorian English woman who says, you know, just lie back and think of England. Growing girls and boys alike were kept ignorant of female sexuality in so far as possible. In the uh, 19th century, even physicians came to believe 
that no clitoris would be found on a virtuous woman. Excuse me, this is through the centuries, right? Yes. This article, this piece is from the Women's Encyclopedia of Myths and Secrets, and it goes on to tell you, I, I, I think I'll save it for next week, uh, about uh, a man in 1593. He was an investigating jailer. He discovered a clitoris for the first time. He thought it was sure proof of a devil's teat. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. I'll be back on the air next week at the same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Boys, there's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. Get your car out of that kid. Hey, don't trade it in for peanuts. Donate your old car to KPFA and get the full tax write-off. Put your unwanted car, boat, motorhome, or truck to good use. It's easier than selling it, and you'll get a tax receipt for your records. We're also giving away $25 gas cards with each donated car between July 5th to the 25th. Donating your vehicle to KPFA is really easy, and it only takes three steps. One, have your VIN number and the title to your car handy. Two, call the Car Donation Center at 877-411-3662 or fill out the Donate Now form online at kpfa.org to schedule a convenient time to pick up your vehicle. Three, give the tow truck driver your signed title and, of course, the keys. And that's it. When your vehicle sells, you'll receive a thank you letter and an IRS tax form 1098. Thank you for supporting Community Power. 